Hey, 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 this is Laura. And this is Ardine, and welcome to What Happens After Dark. Ooh, what are the creepy things that happen after dark? They're good, creepy things. Yes. Good. good. Some good, are creepy. nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no nasty, creepy things. Just happiness. Like the guy that we're going to talk about today, he was nasty, bad <sighs> yeah, after dark. Yeah, he's what happens after dark, definitely. Yeah. Disgusting. Stay oh. in your houses, people. <laughs> yeah, lock your well, doors this guy and broke windows. in. So, huh? yeah, he's one that like breaks in. So, oh, our topic for today. But we did do something fun. We went and saw Dungeons and, and Dragons. Dragons. <gasps> what an amazing movie! You yes. guys have got to see it. It's it was so good. Yes. And we went with Shania and Diego. And Shania and Diego told me they're like. This is going to be the movie theater, the movie where all the nerds are in here. And we were oh, laughing. Yes. And then a guy stood up and walked out with a cape on. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool because Ash and her group came and we got to see her yeah. or them. Sorry. And so that was awesome. And ate popcorn as usual. You can't go to the movies and not, not get popcorn. Have popcorn. Absolutely. And. They were giving away some posters, those mm-hmm. little posters with the dragon. That was nice. I got two of them for my grandkids. Yeah. To Jaden and Tyler. Um, so. Yeah, they were illustrated really They beautiful. were really nice. Yeah, they were really, Like, you really can nice. put them on a picture frame and it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we're recommending that movie. Even if you aren't a Dungeons and Dragons um, fan, fan, it's still good. And it stars Chris Pine. Michelle Rodriguez, uh, she's Letty from Fast and the Furious series. Um, let's see who, oh, uh, what's his name? The bad guy that did Notting Hill with Julia Roberts. Um, and he was, uh, uh, gosh. What's his name? Oh. I don't know the names. I'm terrible with names. And he was he was engaged to Elizabeth something, but got caught in a car with a hooker. And so she broke it off with him. Oh, I, I can't remember his name. It, I had it and it went. That's okay. But um, it was just, it was done really well. Really, really, really well. And I was super happy that we went to see that. It was really exciting. Sorry, guys. Millie is trying to control the setting here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. And then we went to the Twilight Bazaar. We almost forgot about that. That was so much fun. That was amazing. That was nice. Yeah, we did that on Friday night, right? Or it was Friday, Friday night. Friday night, yes. yeah. And Hester did a reading, and it was such a nice reading. I yeah. really liked her. That was my first time, but I really liked her. She yeah. was. She gave me a lot of good, positive answers, and so I was pretty thrilled. Yeah, she was spot on with mine too. And oh yes. And Ardina and I were asking about you know decisions that we want to make as far as like the podcast and where we want to live and things. And it was all very positive and yes, just like very good. Like affirming, we're on the right track. Which is nice to hear sometimes. Like you know that you're on the right track, but sometimes just that confirmation yes, of like it's good to it's good. Yeah. But it was so much fun. And guys, I gotta tell you. So Cat and Cauldron was the one that hosted it. Love Cat and Cauldron. Thank you, Michael and Christian and all the other guys there. Thank you, thank you. And I bought a celestial kitty. That kitty statue. is so pretty. Yeah. So she's blue. I'll take a picture of it and put it on our social media. She's a she's really so pretty blue. Pretty. She's actually the color that I want my car to be. That is oh, okay. my favorite blue right there. Okay. And she has a big like um moon on her chest and stars all over and it's just beautiful. Yeah, and I was like, do I want to spend that money? Yes. But it's I knew worth it. I like walked it was away made for you <laughs> and came back. And then they had created this nice incense that they only <gasps> did for the bazaar. They only do it twice a year. Yeah. Next, next bazaar, I'm gonna get yeah, like, we're going. a lot of them. Yeah, we're, yeah, the Twilight Bazaar incense, it smells so good. It's so good. And I'm going to set up a booth to do readings as well there. Um, And then I'm creating, if you guys go to my website, Awakened Auras, I'll have to look it up, but, and I'll tell you guys, but if you go to my website, you can see like the crystal bags and stuff that I'm making Mm -hmm. um, so that, because I'm going to, I'm selling those online, but I'm going to set up a booth and Ardeen, I remembered the um, other thing that I wanted to do, remember, I said, I want to go back. I need to, like, look. It's the little divination boxes. Remember yes. with the tiny little, little co- yes. 
tarot cards. Yes, those. So my website is actually awakened auras, A-N-D-F-R dot. So awakened auras and F-R dot wixsite.com forward slash awakened auras dash free space. I'll post it on uh, our free SP. Sorry. I'll post that on our website, but um, yeah, so we're going to set up booths there and see how it goes. And then when we get moved, we're, we want to try to host our own yeah, type we of deal. Yeah, host our own. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and work with enchantments over there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's been going on. But that bazaar was awesome. That was, was pretty so, nice. Yeah. It was small, but it was perfect. Yeah. There's one that they do at the Mountain America Credit Union Expo Center. Oh, really? It's called... The peculiar something. Oh, we need That's to go there. You, we got. I went last year. I hope they do it again this year. I think they do it in do you, July. Do you know who hosts it? No, I don't. Oh. We can ask, but yeah. there was so many vendors. vendors. It was insane. I know Cat and Cauldron that like they're just get up and running with these. So um they'll get there. Like I was surprised that like synchronicities and sacred energy and stuff was not there. there. Yeah. So I don't know. A lot of people maybe they aren't interested in doing that kind of circuit, but mm-hmm. but I know that we can make some money doing that. So yeah. So that's exciting on our part. Because yeah. we can represent our podcast there too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would love to do a podcast event. Oh, I know. That's what and I And invite M and Christine Everybody. and all of them, all of them. Yeah, I forgot to Google. I was going to look up and see, um, you know, if they have one in Idaho yet, but I forgot. If not, we would be the ones to initiate that, and that oh, would be yes, so freaking would be awesome. awesome. Yeah. Both of them. Oh, to yeah. Both events would be awesome. Yeah. To be continued, for sure. Yeah, to be continued. And then to start off our story, I ha- or the story we're going to do today, I had a crazy, crazy, I think it was like, Wednesday night or something. But um, so where I live across from me is Home Depot. And so and so the road that runs on that side of the buildings is pretty busy, but they're always doing construction, like always, always. And like so and it was dark by the time I went out there, but it started before it was dark. I opened up my back door just to kind of look because I could see like the reflection of like police lights. Oh, yes. Okay. And so and sure enough, that road was closed off. And I thought, oh, there must have been an accident. I feel so bad. So like five minutes later, I got Millie ready. We went outside to go potty. They had the whole damn thing uh, like it was uh, taped off with crime scene tape and everything. And I was like, Holy cheese balls. If they had crime scene tape, yeah, there has to be a fatality or something. I don't know. Well, it happened to be a road rage again. And because of road rage, this person had a gun and shot the other person. I don't know if that guy's okay. I tried to find a follow-up, but I couldn't find anything on KSL. And so... um, but it was just, I have never seen so many police officers in my life. And they had CSI out there and everything. So they were, and I know they were out there for hours because and if you look at the first photos, yeah. it's still light outside. Yes. And by the time I went out, it was dark. dark. So, yeah. And I don't, I, last I read, they did not have a guy in custody or a woman. Because he probably just shot him and took off. Oh, Yeah. Typical cowards. I know they were asking for, please, if there's any witnesses, please, please, please step forward. they got to be cars that saw the guy from the car. And that all the people at Home Depot or something. somebody. Yeah, so I don't know, girl, but I was freaked out. I live in a locked building, so it is very secure. However, like if you're coming in and if somebody's waiting there for that door, they can sneak in right behind you. Yes. You know, and so I think about those things and... Uh, my daughter was like, mom, you really need to take your taser out when you go. But I keep mm-hmm. it in my car because I'm, I don't tase Millie. I want to preface this before I say, say that. Yes. But when we go somewhere, she loses her Vulcan mind. And so if I press the taser, it, the, the sn- yeah. Or sometimes I just have to say the word taser and, you know, she'll stop. But um, yeah, I never taser guys, but I thought maybe I need to get another one. And when I do take her out, I'm you know, have something. One. I'm going to get one. Yeah. Have it with me. So it's just being here on this, this road and I'm excited 
to get moved and we're I don't want to be on a main street when we go. Oh no. 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 no and streets. I don't if we're renting a house it's not going to be on a main road. I don't yeah. think. And I found some more. Remind me to send oh, that to you. Yes. I've been looking. I've we're been- so ready, guys. <laughs> We've got 6 months and then we can bounce. We can bounce right out of Utah. Bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. That. Yeah, you've got more than I do. That's awesome. I got You're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> She's got like a list, guys, of like how many, 10 or something? Two pages and <laughs> all the things that I have to do. Oh, yeah. Ardeen is a good list person. Yeah. I am so bad. I used to have photographic memory, but when I went through chemo, like that went away. Oh. So I don't anymore, but I'm still in that mindset of, oh, I can remember. I can remember, but I don't remember. No, I don't remember. Yeah. My brain's mush now. Yeah. So. Mine from COVID, uh, it's like I have the brain, yeah. the chipmunk. Yeah, I know. It's just hard to remember things. I don't know if it's because of the half that's partially paralyzed. Yeah. That it doesn't function. Oh. And if I get really stressed, like I can't. Like my tongue will, it yeah. just tenses up so much. So that's why I want an environment where I'll have peace. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get there. Because girl. any little bit of stress will affect my right side. Oh, wow. It does. Like that day with, with when we went Mr. To Krabs. Yeah. yeah. And it's just too much. Yeah. No, we're going to create a really nice environment when we get moved. Oh, in. absolutely. So. Well, beautiful, peaceful, bright. Yes. Plenty of love and light. Oh, I did want to say one of the houses I looked at had like a really nice patio that would had the overhang. And I thought that would be so nice to sit out back and be able to meditate and, and think there, yes. and just even sit out there and like work on stuff. But I saw that and I was like, that's what I want. I want, I, I want, want that for me. And, I want to meditate yes. in garden. Yeah. So we're going to create plants, that. my Buddhas and yeah. And have little, decorated with little mushrooms, gnomes, and make oh, it yeah. cute. Yeah, That'd I'm excited. Nice. I'm excited, too. I well, can't wait. Shall we jump in? Yeah. is coming. Okay, and this, I will give you a heads up. It's going to be a two-parter because there's a lot to him. So our disclaimer is what happens after dark does not condone violence or murder. We are just here to present the facts of some really screwed up individuals. So the guy I'm going to be doing today, he's known as the Night Stalker, the Walk-In Killer, and the Valley Intruder, and his name is Richard uh, Ramirez. Um, so there's 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault, and 14 counts of burglary. Some rap sheet. Yeah, he... And this one, guys, I really do remember, like, because I remember the fear I felt as like a teenager mm-hmm. and um just like like it was paralyzing because he didn't just like grab you off the street like the freeway killer. Yeah. He was entering your home and you're done for then. Yeah. So how scary it's like the monster of the Andes. It oh yeah. Put the whole that guy honestly that one gave me like PTSD. Um, yes. <laughs> that monster of the Andes yes. one. Yes. That was the the curfew was six yeah, yeah. Home. Well, and he was so brazen, just taking a child right out of the marketplace and walking away with them. And no, so. and to him, he was like, in his crazy head, doing them a favor. Yeah, I know. Like, oh my God. Go psycho, on, psycho, psycho. Okay, so he was born Ricardo, and then in parenthesis, or quotes, Richard Le- uh, Leva Munoz Ramirez. He was born in El Paso, Texas on February 28, 1960 at 2.07 a.m. to Julian and Mercedes Ramirez. He was the youngest of their five children. So his brothers and sisters were Robert, Ruth, Joseph, and Reuben. Um, His father, Julian, uh, was a Mexican national and former um, Ciudad Juarez policeman who later became a laborer uh, on the at Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. Here comes our one that's always the same. He was an alcoholic who Mm. was prone to fits of anger that often resulted in physical abuse towards his wife and children. Um, Richard began smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol at the age of 10. (gasps) Richard Ramirez at 10 years old. Um, 
Yeah. And he, and he's a cop, the dad. Well, this is the son, Richard Ramirez. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he, so because of all this abuse of his father yeah, at 10 early. years old, he's out there smoking weed. And, and like my son started early smoking weed, I think about 15 or 16, and he regrets it because he knows that, you know, like that really stunted his brain. Yes, it does. It yeah. affects your brain. So 10 years old, I mean, that's just still a baby. And drinking alcohol. I mean, we all know the story of Drew Barrymore that, you know, she did E.T., but even at nine or whatever, mm -hmm. she was already drinking Partying alcohol. And stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. So on the tab.com, it says it is reported the children were born with birth defects due to their mother being exposed to chemical fumes at work in a boot factory yeah. while she was pregnant. So, and then according to a biography, Richard started experiencing epileptic fits in his early childhood caused by multiple head injuries. When he was two, a dresser fell on his head and at five, he was knocked out of a swing. So, and I mean, even if it's a small dresser, if you have it loaded up, it's still got weight it's in gonna that. Have, it's going to be heavy. Yeah. So, I mean, For he survived it. Well, yeah. I know at two there doesn't their skull still like yes, even move. Soft. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, crazy. So in a book about the night stalker, author Philip Carlo claims Richard's dad was violent towards the children. He himself had been beaten as a child by both his father and grandfather. That's where he gets, you know, being an alcoholic, yeah. the father, because he's kind of he trying was to mistreated too. Yeah. He's trying to cope of his abuse. Um, so despite vowing not to treat his five children the same way, things did turn violent. If the children got into trouble, for example, Richard's brother, Reuben, was arrested for stealing a car and developing a glue-sniffing habit. Wow. His brother, Robert, also developed a drug problem. According to Carlo's book, The Night Stalker, The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez, Richard was scared of his father. Um which I'd probably be scared of my yeah. father, my dad. Well, I was scared of my dad, but yeah. not to, thank goodness, not to this extent. Um, so as a 12-year-old, Richard, or Richie, as he was known to his family, was strongly influenced by his older cousin, Miguel, and they called him Mike Ramirez, a decorated Green Beret combat veteran who himself had already become a serial killer <gasps> and rapist. No. Awesome. How that runs in the family, huh? Oh, my yeah, there we go. I forgot my glasses, guys. Um, and he, um, so he was um, in the United States Army um, during the Vietnam War, which we know during that time. PTSD. Yeah, and all the, I, I mean, they used Agent Origin, Orange. Yeah, Agent Orange on them. I mean, I have friends, their husbands and stuff. One in particular that, you know, her, her husband was in Vietnam War and, I mean, just the atrocities. I think any war has yeah. a lot of atrocities, but that's better. I can see now. Okay. Um, Mike often boasted um, of his brutal war crimes and shared Polaroid photos with Richard showing Vietnamese women whom he had raped, murdered, and dismembered or decapitated. And he had pictures. Yeah. Oh, what? But I think being in Vietnam probably, and it's wartime, what are they going to do, you know? Yeah, but you don't. I know, I know. You don't. Do no, that. that's not. No, I mean, I wish they could have part of the war. No, he he should have been arrested. To do with the war. Yeah. Um, Richard would later state, while incarcerated, that he was fascinated rather than repulsed by the images and stories Mike shared with him. Mike taught his young cousin some of his military skills, such as killing with stealth and effectively staying hidden in the dark, especially at night. Around this time, Richard began to seek escape from his father's violent temper by sleeping in a local cemetery. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Um, Richard was present on May 4th, 1973, when Mike fatally shot his wife, Jessie, in the face with a handgun during a domestic argument. Um, like the graphic photos and stories of his cousin's war crimes in Vietnam, Ramirez would later similarly remark that witnessing the murder was not traumatic for him, in any traditional sense, but rather a subject of fascination. Ooh. Yeah. After the shooting, Richard became sullen and withdrawn from his family and peers. Mike was later found not guilty of Jesse's murder by reason of insanity. 
I just no. I hate that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> with the shooting attributed to post-traumatic stress disorder from his service in Vietnam, he was confined for several years at the Texas State Memorial Hospital. But the way I look at that, and from what we just read about Mike, mm-hmm. he created a lot of his own atrocities. I know that they saw a lot. I know they do. I know they continue, but he created a lot of atrocities. He was so one of the atrocities. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was the instigator. He, I don't know. I mean, you don't. And who knows if it was just women, if it wasn't children. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh. So shortly after the shooting, Richard moved in with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto, and a uh, obsessive peeping Tom. Oh, gosh. He had a lot of great role models, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was a peeping Tom who took Richard along on his nocturnal exploits. Boy, his family is just a lot of winners here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my God. God. After Mike Holy was released. Family. I know, right? <laughs> they should be in those freaky deaky movies, movies we watch. Yeah. Oh. They should make a movie. Yeah. And that reminds me, I do want to see the um, Pope's exorcist. Oh, yeah, out like, yeah. Um, so after Mike was released from the mental hospital in 1977, he sometimes accompanied Richard and Roberto on these voyeuristic walks, spying on women in the nearby areas through their windows. By the time Richard had turned 14, in early 1974, he began using LSD frequently. So this was his brother-in-law. Yep, Roberto is the brother-in-law. And then Mike is the crazy cousin that shot his wife in the face and is out now. And so his sister didn't didn't know, or? I don't think it tells that. I oh. just, yeah. Who knows? <sighs> and LSD, that's not a light drug. That's no. like... That's delusion stuff, in, right? Yeah. And hallucinations. Hallucinations. Yeah. Stuff. I have my own hallucinations. I don't need that. <laughs> we don't <laughs> need that. <laughs> no. Um, let's see. So he and Mike resumed bonding over their shared use of drugs and alcohol. It was during this period that Richard began to cultivate an interest in Satanism and the occult. <sighs> when he reached adolescence, Richard Ramirez began to meld his uh, burgundy burgeoning sexual fantasies with graphic violence, including forced bondage, BDSM, murder, mutilation, and rape. While still in school, he took a job at a local Holiday Inn and used his passkey to rob sleeping patrons. Can you imagine, like, we go and stay places, but we don't know those people that have the passkeys to those rooms. To those rooms, yes. And that just freaked me out when I did this. It really made me think because I love to take road trips and stay overnight, you know, and then this just like, yeah, you just never know. Put the chair. Yeah. And like, you know how sometimes they have like the mirrors and they discover like a little hole in it. I check the mirrors. I do too. (laughs) I check the mirrors. Like, let me see if there's a little hole in here. I check for bed bugs by lifting up the mattress. (laughs) Yep. Yes. (laughs) On at least one occasion, Ramirez molested two children in an elevator at the hotel, but he was never reported or prosecuted for the act. His employment ended abruptly after Ramirez attempted to rape a woman in her hotel room and was caught in the act by the victim's husband. Although the husband beat Ramirez um, at the scene, criminal charges were dropped when the couple who lived out of state declined to return to Texas to testify against him. So, I mean, right here, and I'm not by any any means saying that this woman was weak or anything, but if people could have stepped up and, like, you know, went to court and testified, and I know it's scary. I've never been in that position. Position, me neither, but, but just it think could of have all saved the people, so many lives. Exactly, the people's lives. They, and, you know, they maybe, I don't know what they could have found, but I just feel like maybe some of this could have stopped. Um, Ramirez dropped out of Jefferson High School in the ninth grade. In 1982, at the age of 22, he moved to and settled permanently in California. It was around this time that Ramirez began to use cocaine, which quickly became his substance of choice, and began to commit theft and burglaries to procure money for sustaining his addiction. Um, He lived nomadically between San Francisco and Los Angeles County, so just like 
you know, bouncing back and forth, probably camping out and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, During this time prior to his incarceration, he frequently traveled between the northern and southern areas of California, both before and during his year-long crime spree. So this is where the fear came in for me because I lived in Southern California, but, you know, we were hearing about this guy, you know, that's, it's like, and I, if I remember right, like it, it took him a while to find him because he was just like bouncing, you know, yeah, it was not easy for him to be found. So let's talk about his uh, murders. And I do want to tell you guys, these are graphic involves children, senior citizens. Um, It's, it's really bad. Okay. Um, his first victim was Mei Lung. On April 10th, 1984, Ramirez murdered Mei Lung, a nine-year-old Chinese-American girl, in the basement of his apartment building in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. Leung was her, uh, with her eight-year-old brother and looking for a lost $1 bill when oh. Ramirez approached the girl and told her to follow him into the basement to find it. Once they were in the basement, Ramirez beat, strangled, and raped Leung. Um, before stabbing her to death with a switchblade, hanging her partially nude body from a lead pipe by her blouse. Um, nine years old. And oh. this takes me back to the Andes guy because she was so young. And unfortunately, you know, she was alive while he raped her. And I mean, she's just a baby. So that mm, area, you know, torture. it's... Yeah, that's not ready to have sex. And it's just, it's oh, awful. The just the tearing and everything. Yeah. And then just hung her up on a pipe with her own shirt, you know, for her family to find her that way. And so it's just, it's awful. But she was dead when he hung her. Yeah. Oh, we need our diapers, people. Yeah. 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 So the killing was not linked to Ramirez until 2009 when his DNA was matched to a sample obtaining obtained at the crime scene. I'm really grateful we got to a part in technology that we can okay. pull mm-hmm. we can pull that DNA so that they can go back. Mm-hmm. I mean there's still so many unsolved, but um in 2016 officials disclosed evidence of a second suspect identified through another DNA sample retrieved from the scene who is believed to have been present at Lewing's Lewing's murder. Authorities have not publicly identified the suspect, describing as being a juvenile at the time and um, not brought charges due to lack of evidence. So just from what we learned, you know, it could have been that crazy ass cousin or but I mean, he did leave these those people behind. So who knows who he made friends with while you're out there in Mm -hmm. the on the streets, you know. And I'm sure he he kind of connected with people like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. What is it? Birds of the same feather flock together or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on June 28th, 1984, he does not have a specific age that he stays with. So this one is 79-year-old Jenny Vincow was found murdered in her apartment in Glassell Park, Los Angeles. She had been stabbed repeatedly in the head, neck, and chest. (laughs) while sleeping in her bed, and her throat slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an SOB. Oh, yeah. Um, Ramirez's fingerprint was found on the mesh screen he removed to gain access through an open window. This Ramirez's second known murder established in his pattern of breaking into homes, committing particularly vicious murders, and frequently burglarizing his victims either before or after killing them, which was mainly to support his cocaine addiction and pay his rent. So instead of going going out and getting a normal ass a job, job. he's stealing to support to pay his rent. How sick. I mean this is so disturbing. Just um, when you think you've heard the worst. Yeah. And what is it that the morbid girls say? They always say like Fresh air is for dead people. People, it's true. <laughs> Lock your windows. <laughs> yeah. Like being on the fifth floor, you know, I like last night I cracked the door a little bit because I love fresh air. But if we move somewhere where it's, you know, it well, it will be because we'll be in a house. But I still love my fresh air. But what I thought I could do maybe is like have a pole, like have it cracked and put like a pole. Or something yeah. to hold it. Because yeah. these kind of things freak me the hell out. That somebody can gain access so easy to your house. Yes. Mm -hmm. On March 17th, 
1985, Ramirez attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez outside her home in Rosemead, California, shooting her in the face with a 22 caliber handgun after she pulled into her garage. She survived when the bullet ricocheted off the keys she held in her hands as she, li- as she lifted them to protect herself. Oh, Hernandez played dead until Ramirez left the scene. Inside the house, her roommate, Daily Oshi Osaki, age 34, heard the gunshot and ducked behind a counter when she saw Ramirez enter the kitchen. When she raised her head to get a look at what happened, he shot Osaki once in the forehead, killing her instantly. Um, So this is one of the survivors, but there's another um, episode that I'm going to record where something similar like this happened and um, you know, in the garage, but I just, he's, there's so no the like Osaki MO girl died. Yeah. The Ozaki girl died, but there's like no, you know how serial call killers have like their pattern. Like William mm-hmm. Bonin was young boys. Yes. This guy is bouncing all over the place with age. Doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. That's not his thing. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's, you know, he just, he doesn't stay with one age group. Oh. Um, so within an hour of the Rosemead home invasion, Ramirez pulled 30-year-old Sai Leon, also known as Veronica Yu, out of her car in Monterey Park. Okay, so all Rosemead and Monterey Park, this is more north near San Francisco area. Okay. So it's not like a huge like drive to get to either one of those. Okay. Um, he shot her twice with a 22 caliber handgun and then fled. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The two murders and an attempted third in a single day attracted extensive coverage from news media, who dubbed the attacker described as curly-haired with bulging eyes and wide space rotting teeth, the walking killer and the valley intruder. So when we post the pictures, or if you guys are going to look at them, you probably know what Richard Ramirez looks like. Oh. He is a frightening-looking person. I seen, uh, I think it was on TikTok, uh, interview or something they did. With him? With him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, oh, I just remember the fear that I felt, but yeah, he is definitely a very freaky all, looking. Because they're crazy. They all talk like it's so natural what they do. Yeah. Yep. They're That's very arrogant they, and mm-hmm. full of themselves. And yeah. I must be part of the insanity yes. to be that arrogant, I think. Yeah. Or just he thinks to he's think better. think that that's okay. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's nowhere in a universe that that is normal Mm-mm. at all. Um, on March 27th, 1985, I mean, the gap between these now, I mean, it's so small. Um, Ramirez entered a home that he had burglarized a year earlier, just outside of Whittier, California, which was very close to where I live, um, at approximately 2 a.m. and killed the sleeping Vincent Charles Zazara, age 64, with a gunshot to his head from a 22 caliber handgun. Zazara's wife, Maxine Lavinia Zazara, age 44, was, well, 20-year difference there, was awakened by the gunshot, and Ramirez beat her and bound her hands while demanding to know where her valuables valuables were. While he ransacked the room, Maxine escaped her bonds and retrieved a shotgun from under the bed, which she was unaware was not loaded. She pulled the trigger just after he turned around and saw her. The infuriated Ramirez shot her three times with the twenty-two, with the twenty-two, killing her. Then fetched a large carving knife from the kitchen. He mutilated her body by cutting an inverted cross into her chest. What then he the- removed her eyes with the knife and placed them in a jewelry box. He oh. attempted to have sex with her body, um, but found himself so shaken by her attempting to shoot him that he was unable to achieve an erection. Um, He took the jewelry box with her eyes when he (gasps) left and kept it at his apartment as a souvenir until his arrest. Vincent and Maxine bodies were discovered by their son, Peter. Ramirez left footprints from a pair of Avia uh, sneakers Sneakers. in the flower beds, which the police photographed and cast. This was virtually the only evidence that the police had at the time. Bullets found at the scene were matched to those found at previous attacks, and the police determined that a serial killer was at large. Um, he wasn't very that careful 
you know? No, he wasn't. He was like like a swarm type is how I picture it. Like he's just like, you know, there he doesn't care. He's just is gonna get it done. Done in the moment. Uh huh. He's yeah. not prepping, thinking. No. Nope. Nothing. And he's using the same I mean, the way he kills with the shot or yeah, the shotgun. That's what he saw his you know, cousin do to his yeah. wife. And so he knows, you know, and. But that's with the men. But look how he does with the woman. Like, he, yeah, he, he hates the, the women, woman. which is crazy to me because he witnessed his mom getting beaten. So you would think it would be the other way around. around. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know. Maybe he was angry with his mom because she appeared weak because she Probably. didn't fight back with she the didn't fight father. Back. Yeah. Mm hmm. And she let the things happen to him mm -hmm. instead of protecting him. Yeah, that could be. The whole eyeballs in the jewelry box. Oh, just, that's just like. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. <sighs> um, let's see. May 14th. Yep. Okay, so then on May 14th, 1985, Ramirez returned to Monterey Park and entered the home of Bill Doy, age 66, and his disabled wife, Lillian, <gasps> age 56. Surprising Doy in his bedroom, Ramirez shot him in the face with a 22 semi-automatic pistol. So now he's escalated because it's a automatic. It's automatic yeah. Um, as Doy went for his own handgun. After beating the mortally wounded man into unconsciousness, Ramirez entered Lillian's bedroom, bound her with thumb cuffs, and raped her oh. after he ransacked the home for value. Um, Bill Doy did die of his injuries. And so... This to me is what a son of a bitch coward that he would go yes. after a disabled woman. Woman and then bound her like she's already disabled. Yeah, it's not like she's gonna be able to fight back. And oh. that just it makes me so freaking sick. Um Holy then, cow, this one really tops all the episodes yeah. we've done so far. Yeah, he's a nightmare, just a oh. nightmare stalker. Um and then on the night of May 29th, so just like, you know, not even well, about fifteen days later. Ramirez drove a stolen car to Monrovia and stopped at the house of Mabel Ma Bell, age 83, and her disabled sister, Florence Nettie Lang, age 81. Finding a hammer in the kitchen, he bludgeoned and bound Lang in her bedroom and bound and bludgeoned Bell before using an electrical cord to shock the woman. Yeah. After raping Lang, he used Bell's lipstick to draw the sa satanic pentagram symbol on her thigh as well as on the walls of both bedrooms. So this is what I remember because um, I don't know if it mentions in this, but I remember the news reporting what was so bad about him is that he would write with their blood on the wall and he would write all these crazy things. And so that has always just stuck in the back of my mind that maybe he did all those satanic symbols and pentagrams. He was with the so blood. Yes, he does. Um, and also, you know, I'm so like, I just know when I was doing this story, just looking at him, he had a demon attachment, probably more than one. Yes, more than one. And so um, and that that, you know, when you have a demon attached to you and you give in to what the demon wants, there's no stopping you. Yeah. And they're like more powerful and strong mm -hmm. than a normal person. person. Yeah, yes. it's crazy. That's like Camargo. Yeah. He was so little, but he, he was so strong. It's mind-blowing to me. Um, the next day, Ramirez drove the same car to Burbank and sneaked into the home of Carol Kay, or Carol Kyle, and she's age 42. So again, the age thing, he has no... No. At gunpoint, he bound Kyle and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs, oh. ransacked the house. He released Kyle to direct him to where the family's valuables were, he then raped her repeatedly. Ramirez also repeatedly ordered her to not look at him, telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out. He fled the scene and after retrieving the child from the closet and binding the two together again with handcuffs. So he left these two alive. Um, and I think when, from things that I've read and stuff, when a violent person is like, don't look at me, it's some level of like, like vanity because they don't want them to be seen but also like on some level there's got to be some guilt there guilt it's yeah like i was gonna say he's yeah. conscious he knows what he's doing it's wrong so it's like don't yeah 
So it's crazy. Um, let's see. So on the night of July 2nd, 1985, he drove a stolen car to Arcadia and ran, uh, randomly select the house of Mary Louise Cannon, age 75, a widowed grandmother. After quietly entering Cannon's home, he found her asleep in the bedroom. He bludgeoned her into <sighs> unconsciousness with a lamp and then stabbed her to death using a 10 inch butcher knife from her kitchen. Um, Ramirez repeatedly stabbed Cannon's body after she was already dead. She was found dead at the scene. Mm. That's rage. That's rage. When they continue to stab. Even though they're dead, that's just rage. Then he took a day off for July 4th. (laughs) And on July 5th, 1985, Ramirez. I know. Well, it's Independence Day, I guess. (laughs) He had big time off. Maybe it's his favorite holiday. I don't know. Oh my God! <laughs> um, so then, on the fifth of ni- uh, July fifth, nineteen eighty five, Ramirez broke into a home in Sierra Madre and bludgeoned sixteen year old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron as she slept in her bedroom. After searching in vain for a knife in the kitchen, Ramirez tried to strangle the girl with a telephone cord. He stated he was startled to see electrical sparks eliminate from the cord. That's, you remember, he electrocuted somebody else, the, and that's what I was going to... The old lady, yes. Yeah, so this, I think this must be something new. Um, and when his victim began to breathe, she, he fled the house believing that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her, which, you know what, he probably did step in oh, and I saved her. he did. <laughs> yeah. Bennett survived the savage beating and attempted strangulation, although 478 stitches were required to close the lacerations on her scalp alone. Oh, my God. 478 just on the scalp. I don't think I could live after no. something like that. No. I don't know. And so if you're still alive you, out there. Bless your heart. Yes, sweetie. Bless. Yeah. Oh. And then on July 7th, only two days later, Ramirez burglarized the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, age 60, in Monterey Park. Finding her asleep on her living room couch, he beat her to death by stomping on her face repeatedly. A, a shoe print from the Avia sneaker was left imprinted on her face. Oh my God. That's just so much like the strength to do that. And the hate towards women. Oh. Cause that's like, you're stomping on someone's face. It's like, you're trash. You're, you're a bitch. You're you nothing. are nothing. Yeah. The rage is unbelievable. Um, after cruising two other neighborhoods, he returned to Monterey Park and cho- uh, chose the home of Sophie Dickman, age 63. This is all in one night. Ramirez oh. assaulted and handcuffed Dickman at gunpoint, attempted to rape her, and stole her jewelry when she swore to him that he had taken everything of value he told her to swear on Satan. Mm-hmm. On July 20th, 1985, Ramirez purchased a machete before driving a stolen Toyota to Glendale, California. He chose the home of Leela Needing, age 66, and her husband, Maxon, age 68. Um, he burst into the sleeping couple's bedroom and hacked them with the machete and then killed them with shots to the head from a 22 caliber handgun. He further mutilated their bodies with the machete before robbing the house of valuables. After quickly fencing the stolen items from the needing residents, Ramirez drove to Sun Valley. And at approximately 4.15 a.m., he broke into the home of Kovana family. He shot the sleeping. That's the same night? Yep. Holy cow, so he's escalating. Oh, yeah. Um... Let's see. So he shot the sleeping Chang Arong Kovanath in the head with a 20.25 caliber handgun, killing him instantly, then repeatedly raped and beat some kid Kova. He bound the couple's eight-year-old son before dragging some kid, uh, or maybe that's the name, some kid around the house to reveal the location of any valuable items, which he stole. During his assault, he demanded that she swear to Satan that she was not hiding any money from him. So the whole family, I mean, he just went in and terrorized this family. And Did he kill them? I think, yeah, well, the um, Chen Arong Kovan, so, so yeah, the, father, the father, killing him okay. instantly. And then on August 6, 1985, Ramirez drove to Northridge and broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. 
He crept into the bedroom, startled Virginia, age 27, and shot her in the face with the 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. He then shot Chris in the neck and attempted to flee. Chris fought back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before Ramirez managed to escape, but the couple did survive. Both? Mm Mm-hmm. With the shot to the face? Yep. They both survived. That's a miracle right there. Yes. Then on August 8th, 1985, Ramirez drove a stolen car to Diamond Bar, California, and chose the home of Sakina Abaweth, age 27, and her husband, Elias Abaweth, age, age 31. And these cities that he's going to, these are these are very wealthy people. So he's picking the house, not mm-hmm. the people. And yep. it's just whoever's in there. Gets to have his wrath. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house and went into their master bedroom. He instantly killed the sleeping Elias with a shot to the head from a 25 caliber handgun. He handcuffed and beat Sakina while forcing her to reveal the location of the family's jewelry and then brutally raped her. He repeatedly demanded that she swear on Satan that she would not scream during his assaults. When the couple's three-year-old son entered the bedroom, Ramirez tied the child up then continued to rape Sakina. After Ramirez left the home, Sakina untied her son and sent him to the neighbors for help. So. Three years old. You know, and I mean, scientists have said that we even like carry memories from when we were in the room Mm -hmm. or in the womb. So being three years old and seeing this happen to the mom, I can't imagine. There's no way. Yeah, a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, So Ramirez had been following... Um, he's been following the, uh, the, the, uh, he's been following the media for his crimes. Um, he left Los Angeles and headed to San Francisco, which is about, oh, it's about an eight hour drive, maybe a little bit less. On August 18th, 1985, he entered the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. He shot the sleeping Peter, age 66, in the temple with a 25 caliber handgun, which of course killed him instantly. Yeah. Um, He then beat and sexually assaulted Barbara, age 62, before shooting her in the head and leaving her for dead. At the crime scene, Ramirez used lipstick to scrawl a pentagram and the phrase, Jack the Knife, on the bedroom wall. Ramirez again left a shoe print at the scene that detectives discovered and matched to a specific pair of Avia shoes that was not common at the time. Lead detectives Frank Salerno and Gil Carrillo, um, who contributed to Netflix's Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer. Oh, I want to look that up. We better look that I up. might watch that. Um, contacted the manufacturer of the Avia shoes and were able to retrieve the soles. Upon the discovery of the make and distribution across the United States, only six of them existed in the man size 11 and a half, with five of them shipped to locations in Arizona and one shipped to a shoe store in Los Angeles. So just, I mean, that's not all the millions of people. There's only, you know, six of these shoes in existence. And idiot happens to find one pair. One and use it every day. I yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a dingbat. <laughs> I know. When it was discovered. Why can't he wear some other kind of shoe that's so generic? I don't know. This guy's an it's idiot. just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Let's see. It was evident that the one pair of its size and kind in the state of California was then belonged to Ramirez. When it was discovered that the ballistics and shoe print evidence from the Los Angeles crime scene matched the pan crime scene, San Francisco's then mayor, Diane Feinstein, I remember her as I remember that, um, divulged the information, including the gun caliber in a televised um, press conference. This leak infuriated the detectives in the case as they knew the killer would be following media coverage, which gave him the opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. So, and, you know, I just think sometimes our politicians are just as stupid as these serial killers. Yeah. It's like. You're warning them. Hello, be careful. (laughs) Get rid of your gun. Exactly. You know, get new sneakers. Hello. So stupid. (laughs) So Ramirez, who had indeed been watching the press, dropped his size 11 and a half Avia sneakers over uh, the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that night. He remained in the area for a few more days before heading back to Los Angeles. 
On August 24th, 1985, Ramirez traveled 76 miles south of Los Angeles in a stolen orange Toyota to Mission Viejo, so which is down near, I believe, yeah, Diamond Bar maybe area. But what cracks me up is he stole an orange Toyota. That's bright. <laughs> like, why would you <laughs> steal? <laughs> why wouldn't you steal like a black car? Car or white or, or something. Oh my god. Like, the flashiest car ever. <laughs> I know. I the mean- grape. That was in, oh gosh, that's right. Okay, so in the Air Nike. In the 80s, that's all flashiness. (laughs) In the Air Nike movie, when we go to see that one together, I went and saw it yesterday, but um, the the owner of Nike, he drives this purple like Lamborghini and they call it the grape. (laughs) (laughs) So this orange, this could be the orange. I don't know. Yeah, the orange. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, dude, you're so stupid. Um, (laughs) You're so dumb. Um, so that night, he arrived at the home of James Romero Jr., who had just returned from a family vacation to Rosa- Rosarito Beach in Mexico. Always wanted to go there. Romero's son, 13-year-old James Romero II, happened to be awake. While his family was asleep, James went outside of the house to retrieve a pillow inside a truck, which was locked. When he was outside, he heard a rustling noise, assuming it was an animal, James went to the, investigate the noise, but did not notice anything unordinary. James then went into his garage to begin working on his mini um, bike before hearing Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. Thinking there was a prowler, James, after observing Richard or observing Ramirez, Ramirez through his bedroom window, went to wake his parents and Ramirez fled the scene. James raced outside and noticed the color, make, and style of the car as well as a partial license plate number. Romero mm. contacted the police with his information, believing James had chased away a thief. So he saved his whole family's life. Yes. There. I mean, because he would have killed job. them all. He would have, He yeah. would have killed them all. Um, after this encounter, Romero's broke into the house of Bill Carnes, age 30, and his fiancée, Inez Erickson, age 29, um, through a back door. Ramirez entered the sleeping couple's bedroom and awakened Carnes when he cocked his 25 caliber handgun. He shot Carnes three times in the head before turning his attention to Erickson. Ramirez told her that he was the night stalker and forced her to swear she loved Satan as he beat her with his fist and bound her with neckties from the closet. After stealing what he could find, Ramirez dragged Erickson to another room before raping her. He then demanded cash and more jewelry and made her swear on Satan that there was no more. Before leaving the home, Ramirez told Erickson, tell them the night stalker was here. Erickson untied herself and went to a neighbor's house for help. Surgeons removed two of the three bullets from Kane's head and he survived. The, the man that was shot three times in the head. I believe when people survive like this kind of thing. It's a miracle. Yeah, and their mission is they're not done on done. Earth. They had there's something more for them. Angels to do. are taking for, care of yeah. them because they still need a reason to yeah. stay. So we've well. got a little bit more on this first one. Um, and then we'll I'll let you know when we're gonna end. Um the fir- the next part is the identification of Ramirez. Um so Erickson gave a detailed description of the assailant to investigators. And police obtained a cast of Ramirez's footprint from the Romero house. The stolen Toyota was found abandoned on August 28th in Koreatown, Los Angeles. And police obtained a single fingerprint from the rearview mirror, despite Ramirez's careful efforts to wipe the car clean of his prints. The print was positively identified as belonging to Ramirez, who was described as a 25-year-old drifter from Texas with a long rap sheet that included many arrests for traffic and illegal drug violations. The identification of Ramirez's print was described as a near miracle, as the system used to identify him was recently installed, as well as the fact that the system contained the fingerprints of criminals born after January 1st, 1960, only a month before Ramirez was born. On August 29, 1985, law enforcement officials release, decided to release a mugshot of Ramirez from a 1984 re, um, arrest for auto theft. 
um, to the media, and the Night Stalker finally had a face. Oh. At the police conference, press conference, um, it was announced, we know who you are now, and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide. Um, there are a few um, other suspected victims. Um, on the night of June 27, 1985, 32-year-old Patty Elaine Higgins was murdered in her Arcadia home. The crime was not discovered until July 2nd when she did not show up for work. Her attacker had sodomized her, strangled her, and slashed her throat. Um, Ramirez was charged with murder, burglary, in relation to Higgins' murder. However, the charges against him in the case were eventually dropped due to lack of concrete physical evidence linking Higgins' murder to the Night Stalker crimes. Um, based on a statement Ramirez made to an investigator, he is also the suspect in the San Francisco double murder of Christina and Mary Caldwell. The Caldwell sisters were found stabbed to death in their oh. Telegraph Hill apartment oh. on February 20th, 1985. While incarcerated, Ramirez openly bragged to a prison officer and other inmates about having killed more than 20 people. Oh, my God. Um, some quotes and a little bit of interesting information about some of the victims and different things. So Bill Carnes and Inez Erickson, they never married the two that survived. Okay. They never got married. Um, a quote is, you know who I am, don't you? I'm the one they're writing about in the newspapers and on TV. As said to Inez Erickson prior to the first rape, I love Satan. Ramirez made Inez Erickson say this to him as he was raping her for the second time. Um, this is him bragging in jail. I've killed 20 people, man. I love all that blood. Um, oh. this is also him. I love to kill people. I love watching them die. I would shoot them in the head and they would wiggle and squirm all over the place and then just stop. Or I would cut them with a knife and watch their faces turn real white. Oh my God. Um, he said to another lady, I love all that blood. I told one lady to give me all her money. She said no. So I cut her and pulled her eyes out. Um, told to Def Deputy Sheriff Jim Ellis, he says, it's nothing you'd, you'd understand, but I do have something to say. In fact, I have a lot to say, but now is not the time or place. I don't know why I'm wasting my time or breath, but what the hell. As for what is said of my life, there have been lies in the past and there will be lies in the future. I don't believe in hypocritical, moralistic dogma of this so-called civilized society. I need not look beyond this room to see all the liars, hater, the killers, the crooks, the paranoid cowards, truly uh, trematodes of the earth, which one in his own legal profession. You maggots make me sick, hypocrites, one and all. And no one knows that better than those who kill for police or for policy, clandestinely or openly, or as do the governments of the world, which kill in the name of God and country, or for whatever reason they deem appropriate. I don't need to hear all of society's rationalizations. I've heard them all before, and the fact remains, that's what it is. Um, oh, that makes me bad. So this was a questionnaire um, with Richard, and it appeared in Answer Me, Issue 4. Favorite sport, rugby, football, and boxing. Favorite music, heavy metal. Favorite actress, Samantha Strong. Favorite vacation spot, Uranus. Favorite food, women's feet. Oh, my God. Favorite color was red, okay. pastimes, hobbies, traveling, and measuring coffins. Biggest like, cocaine. Biggest dislike, hypocrites and authority. Um, make a wish to have my finger on a nuclear trigger device. What do you look for in a girl? Nice ass, good legs. Oh, my God. Perfect way to spend a date. Moonlight, drinky, uh, moonlight night drinking rum at a cemetery. Um, described his self as an asshole and he was proud of it. His motto was live each day as it is your last. Um, if you like a girl, how do you get a girl to notice you? He answered, I pull out my gun. Oh my God. What's one thing you change about yourself? Not a damn thing except where I'm at. How has your life changed as a result of your success? Privacy is a thing of the past. What's a message for your fans? Keep your spirit strong. And that's where we're going to end episode what one with him. So I, you know, I'm, uh, 
we hit it hard there at the beginning and there's so much more to this guy. It's unreal. But his stupid quotes, like. <laughs> and, I'm surprised he didn't say killing is his favorite sport. No. And his favorite food, women's feet. feet? What the <laughs> Crazy. He is, he is crazy. And we're going to find out more about this, this insane jack off of a human being. Not even human. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's not human. No. People and like that are just, there's no human in l- them. Not at all. There's no soul. No. And he is scary. He is scary. I remember the fear. And it, his M.O. just there's nothing. The only thing I can see an M.O. in is the burglarizing. But you can't even say the rape was because he didn't rape all of all them. of them. But the the robbing and saying that. Oh, you love, you Satan. love Satan. Yeah. Making them say I love Satan and then uh-huh. doing the pentacle. The pentacle. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Let's breathe, guys. So yeah. I'm going to read a card. Um, It's from my. Um, Raven's Wand Oracle, one of my favorite decks. Um, it said, and the card that was drawn was Unity. Landlord unifies. Notice how all the animals and plants stream from him. It's because on the card, see, it's got like that. Oh, um, yes. so he is reminding you all that, um, life is interconnected and that we all compromise the same matter, which is, um, constantly recycled by life and death. Other forms of life are no lesser or greater than us, only different aspects of the whole. Landlord mm-hmm. is encouraging you to share this world, not dominate it. Um, and that's kind of fitting in with, I'm glad my guides chose that one because it talks about, you know, how Being precious one. life is yeah. and that we're all just one beast and, and humans together. And we need to value life and, 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 share. and treat people with respect yes. and, yes. You know, he's the guy we just were talking about today is just opposite of that. And he had no value for life. I don't even believe he had value for his own life. Own life, let alone somebody yeah. else's. Absolutely. So how did you like that first part? Oh, God. We have more to go, girl. <laughs> I'm trying to hold my vomit. <laughs> Do you want a turtle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is. That's a lot. That so. is a lot to digest, I know. Oh, God. All right. So we're going to tell you guys how you can find us. Please do. Yes. And remember to rate us on all these apps as well. Rating. Yes. Following. Sharing. Mm-hmm. Those three things are a must. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Inbox, Deezer, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, and tune in. So please don't forget to follow us, share, get other people to follow us, and rate us. Please. Yes, please do. Um, You can always uh, connect with us uh, with our email if you want us to, you know, touch us uh, something in particular or you have ideas for us, or you want to share your experiences, uh, please, please email us. Um, it's what happens after dark ll at gmail.com. Yes, please email us, guys. And I'm telling you, the first person that does, we're going to announce it, and we will send them something special. So please, please take the time yes. to send us an email. We want to hear your stories and the amazing things that you've experienced and stuff. But so find us at Facebook as Luna Wad, W-H-A-D, Lee. The Wad stands for What Happens After Dark. Um, Instagram at What Happens After Dark LL. And TikTok is W-H-A-D 1210, Wad1210. Find us on TikTok. And yeah, so we are, oh, our Patreon. Oh my gosh, guys. Okay, yes. so our Patreon is up and running. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of work on it still, but it is up and running. And if you want to donate, we appreciate it. Donators do get special access to um, different episodes that won't be posted on this. Um, and then they also, you know, depending on the amount you donate, we'll get gifts, um, paraphernalia. Well, that sounds kind of 
Yeah, no. that's <laughs> that's not where I was going with that. I, uh, merchandise. There we go. Merchandise. <laughs> Oh my God, we have like 10,000 in less than a day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send cannabis. you some nudies. <laughs> Porn, cannabis. Oh my gosh. Oh no, my no, verbiage. no. Scratch that. Scratch it. Yeah, just scratch no, it. No, we don't condone any of that. Yeah, we don't condone any kind of perfume. That just came out wrong. So. Yes, oh my gosh, I feel like a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well thank you yes. thank you thank you so much for joining us um we're coming back for more yeah so bye, bye.